Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tavis Killian bringing you another thrilling episode of Monday Madness on May 16th, 2022. The weather's getting warm and perhaps it is doing so a bit too early. Texas was dealing with a strained grid just last weekend, but you won't hear me talk about it here. I covered that topic with Anthony on the newest episode of The Wacky World of Energy, which will be coming out later this Wednesday with plenty of other great stories. So be sure to frack that follow button on whatever platform you listen to us through so you don't miss out on some of the freshest energy discussions on the internet. But you didn't come here to listen to me cold open with personal promo. You came to learn about interesting statistics and revealing news stories within the world of energy. So let's do it. We, of course, start off with commodity prices. After a rough week for pretty much every market, commodities are in need of a little TLC this week. After falling below $100 on Tuesday evening, WTI prices began a solid climb back towards $110, which is what it reached by Friday. Now it is already up another $3 to $113.35. But keep in mind that our Monday mornings are known for being incredibly volatile. There's just something about coming off the weekend that makes these commodities whip back and forth. It's good to see WTI doing well, but I'm even more excited to see the recovery in natural gas pricing. Last week, it fell to $6.50 by Monday evening. Fortunately, it ended up bouncing and making steady gains all week. This morning, it opened up and topped out above $8, but has since come back down to settle at about $7.785. I don't see a lot of significant news driving these commodities either way, just the general headlines that allude to commodity shortages or people consuming more energy. I'd expect these to go up even further as we get into the warmer months of summer, natural gas especially. Next up is the rig count. If you remember last week's episode, you know that we finally broke through 700 total rigs once again. That apparently stoked the fire, as we are now up another 9 rigs to bring the total to 714 in the United States, which is 261 more rigs than we had this time last year. At a basin level, it seems that the major basins are really only seeing a little bit of the action. The Canna Woodford saw the biggest change at 2 more rigs. The Arcoma Woodford, Eagleford, and Williston tacked on 1 rig each, while the Ardmer Woodford, Granite Wash, and Mississippian each lost a rig themselves. State by State reveals Oklahoma as the big dog as they tacked on four new rigs, bringing that total to 57 in the state. Otherwise, the other major states you'd expect added a rig here and there. The only state to lose a rig was Kansas, who apparently had one rig running before this report came out. Color me surprised. I didn't know anything serious was going on in those parts. Otherwise, the Gulf of Mexico saw a one rig increase as well. This is the best type of growth to witness. It's spread across the U.S. and steady. Not any one rig count is running up more aggressively than it should, other than perhaps maybe the Permian, but I don't anticipate they will run into serious issues in the near term. These rigs will be targeting more oil than gas and making a pretty much even split between directional and horizontal hull. Lastly, we visit the inventory data to round out our statistics. I know you hear me say it every week, but seriously, go to www rarepetro.com to read this inventory report. It is way better to read it along with all the associated materials rather than just listening to me hit the high points. Not only that, but it really will enhance your understanding of commodities, especially in the domestic context. All right, all right, I'm off the soapbox. Here's the deets. The EIA expected a meager half million barrel drawdown, 
but they were actually off by about 9 million barrels, in the wrong direction. The resulting build was closer to 8.5 million barrels. The API somehow made the exact same prediction, I mean down to the thousands of barrels, but the reported build was much smaller at 1.6 million barrels. Strange how they both arrived at that same prediction. Regardless, this is the second build in just five weeks that is over 7.5 million barrels. Fortunately, the last one before that was way back in October, so hopefully these large builds don't become the norm. While no one loves to see a significant inventory build, it is probably for the best as we are now much closer to being back in that historical five-year range, which is good considering we are tight on just about every commodity under the sun. While builds don't benefit energy prices, they do combat inflation, which everyone can appreciate right about now. Folks, we've been touting on it for a long time, but gasoline inventories are once again lower than a five-year average. According to the EIA, gasoline inventories fell 3.6 million barrels, which is one of, if not the, steepest drawdown of 2022. This comes right before a season of anticipated builds, meaning the problem could quickly exacerbate itself if not addressed soon. Combine this huge draw with continued inflation concerns, and you have a recipe for record-breaking gasoline prices. They are now nearly $1.50 higher than they were just a year ago. Propane inventories are doing just fine. Distillates are just getting worse. Diesel, maritime fuels, and other derivatives are quickly increasing in price all over the world. Right about now is about when we expect to level out before building our inventories, but we are in the very early stages of a concerning shortage. Already, we are 23% below the average, which is certainly significant. Fortunately, we are witnessing a strong economic rebound from COVID as demand for distillates returns. This is because transportation, construction, and industrial manufacturing are getting back into the swing of things. The bad part is that consumption is outpacing supply and really has been since about September of 2020. The trend line is steep and pointing in a downward direction, which greatly contrasts the mostly horizontal five-year historical range. I anticipate this will remain a silent issue until we get closer to probably winter of this year, but by that point, it may be too late to fix. But that concludes our statistics. I'd next like to talk about the gas for ruble scheme that Russia set up. Now, we've got someone else on board. RWE, or for the rest of you non-German folks like myself, the largest producer of power in Germany. They are getting in line with many other European buyers who are opening accounts to pay for Russian gas in euros or whatever domestic currency they use before it is eventually converted to rubles. This is the special process that the EU has agreed on in order to not violate sanctions while still appeasing Russia, I guess. I know, it's a mess, but the important part of all of this hullabaloo is that Europe is bending to Russia's will in order to secure the energy resources that they not only want, but need. So while the world cries and shakes its one fist telling Russia that it is bad, they simultaneously take their other fist, which is loaded with fat wads of cash, and give it to them for their energy. This all sounds like some kind of bad joke, but it is in fact the world we live in. Russia is getting their way, and gas is being paid for in rubles. Next, we've got a leaked report from the EU as they get ready to release their plans for full-scale gas supply shortages. As the leaked memo says, quote, a different set of measures may become worth considering in the event of a sudden large-scale or even full disruption of the supplies of Russian gas, leading to unbearably high gas prices and inadequate supply of gas. End quote. What are these potential measures? One of which is price caps. 
This would be done to give consumers a little bit of breathing room amidst the inflationary pressures that we are observing with each passing month. As many experts were wise to call out, this is a bad idea. One EU official said, quote, Short-term price interventions could remove the interest of market participants to hedge against the risk of high prices in the future, end quote. This would lead to lower storage injection and essentially serve as a solution that really kicks the can down the road as things get worse. Others are even arguing that we need a cartel. No, not one like OPEC, but a buyer's cartel. A German EU official said, quote, The price of gas will only fall if G7, or major countries, only buys gas for a low price. For this, we need courage and creativity and must not simply surrender to the absurdly high gas prices, end quote. Yeah, the, the formation of, I guess we can call it LOPEC, the, the cartel that offers lowball offers on energy, this would be another bad solution in my eyes. OPEC would just be forced that much closer to an alliance with Russia and China where they can freely trade as they see fit and not sell it to people who demand that it's cheaper for the goodness of the world. Unfortunately, there seems to be only one good solution. Rip off that band-aid. What do I mean by that? Let's let the free market do the talking. Let domestic energy produce to help the rest of the world. Let folks put more holes in the bed of the North Sea. Letting the free market react to commodity pricing and supply and demand issues will surely hurt in the short term. But if we batten down the hatches and weather the storm, I think we could come out on the other side with a lot of new insight and an abundance of energy. While this is unlikely to happen, and certainly not guaranteed to work, I'm just one guy with a crazy idea, I do think it has a better chance of succeeding rather than coming up with solutions that serve as a bigger band-aid than the last. The whole world is starting to realize it. We love energy, and after a series of strange and unfortunate events, we find ourselves almost returned to consumption comparable to pre-pandemic times, while we do lack the same supply as we had in pre-pandemic times, and that is posing to be a potentially expensive and grave issue for more and more countries. But ladies and gentlemen, I need to rein it back in. This is the Rare Petro podcast, not the End is Nigh podcast. This doesn't mean that we're headed all the way back to the Dark Ages, but it does mean we will encounter some interesting COVID-related energy issues through at least 2025. The best thing you can do is keep your eyes open and ear to the tracks and your brain active. Fortunately, you can do all of those things by following this very podcast. You can find plenty of other content on our website, www.rarepetro.com should you get bored before we release another piece of content, which is nearly daily. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.